0: Welcome to
1: Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope as you listen to this message that you will encounter God's transforming presence. Why don't you welcome Ashley up? How do you want it flatter? There we go. Here we go. I'll let her get set for a second. So as you know, we've been doing the I Believe journey, tracking with closed series one of the um, I Believe um, TV show that she does on behalf of Catchfire London with TBN, um, and it's just cool how many testimonies have come to our church family as a result of that ministry. Um, but we are reaching now some of the cool weeks that we had strongholds um, with Falake, which again, if you haven't listened to that t- preach yet, even if it's just to get some prayer at the end of it, it was powerful. And so, I believe in the breaking down of strongholds. with Falake, then I spoke about freedom last week, and Ashley is talking about stinking thinking. And so I think it's very apt that it's a very hot, sweaty, smelly day today. And so we can very much reflect on the prophetic statement of your armpits to your thinking. And on that note, right, and you stretch out your hands. Maybe stretch out your hands with your armpits down to Ashley. Um, (laughs) Father, would you pour out a blessing upon Ashley today? Would you fill her up with your power and your might? Would you let your word flow with ease and power today? And we open up our hearts and minds to receive what you have to show us and bring to us today. Would you give us the mind of Christ and remove everything that's not of that? In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you. Um, and before I start, I just wanna I just wanna pray. Um, I was reading this morning in Psalm 19, um, and verse 114 says you are my place of quiet retreat lord and your wrap around presence becomes my shield as i wrap myself in your word and so lord today i ask that you would come and wrap your word around every person here right now and every person listening and who will be listening god that your word is something that infuses itself with within us but your word wraps itself around us that your word would literally wrap around our minds as we delve into getting rid of stinking thinking and what that looks like to, to have minds that are pure before you, God. Minds that are set upon you. Minds that are not hindered um, by unhelpful and unhealthy thoughts. So would you come and wrap yourself in word and presence around us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so topic stinking thinking and getting rid of it because right, we don't want to hold on to it. We don't want to. Um, we don't want to bring it around with us like a nice little clutch bag or a handbag. We want to be getting rid of those thoughts that are unhelpful and unhealthy, and that is exactly what um, stinking thinking is. They are patterns, um, thought patterns that are based around experiences with the world that we may have had since we were little, literally since we were born. We can develop these um, uh, predictions of how we interact with the world, which form thought patterns, um, which influence our belief systems and our belief structures about ourselves, about people within the world and the world itself, and relations that we might have. And so what we, what we know um, through the Bible and also, also just through life experience is that our thought patterns in particular shape the way we feel. Um, it's very head to heart stuff that goes on. And so these, these thought patterns that are created, as I said, really start from when we're really little, um, and in the first kind of one to age, not to five, not to six, is, these are the foundational stages where our belief systems and our structures get really set up and shape the way we interact with the world and we think and receive about ourselves and perceive about ourselves. And they can really sound something like I'm unlovable. I'm disgusting, I'm not right, I'm evil, I'm, I'm dirty, I'm impure, no one loves me. These, these really negative um, self-belief systems that are, as I said, unhelpful, unhealthy and ungodly. Because God does not think that way about you, so why should you be thinking that way about yourself? And so we really need to be understanding God's heart for having healthy mind structures, healthy belief systems, so that we can live in the identity that Christ has called us to be living in, and we can come with the right perception of ourselves, a right perception of God, coming into true alignment and relationship with Him as He intends us um, to live, because any Anything else is just toxic. And it is built up, um, as I said, from what people have said, experience we've had, but also from the lies that the enemy may try and weave into us and the thoughts that he has towards us. And so we need to be very careful and very aware um, of our thought life and be protective of it. Because what happens is when we have unhelpful thought patterns is we we squash ourselves, we hide ourselves away, we disconnect from the world, from God and from others, and we begin to interact in Ways um, that that are not good and that are not are not helpful as well, and it can really um, end up disqualifying ourselves from work, from relationships, from friendships, and from life. And so we don't want that, right? We don't want that. Am I the only one here who doesn't want to be holding on to that stuff? We want to be getting rid of it. We want to be moving on from it. And we really want to be engaging with what God wants us instead. And so I'm not going to talk any more about what it is, but I'm going to talk about how we overcome it and what God says in his word about how we overcome these thoughts. So, in Romans 12, 2, it tells us this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So it's very clear. In Romans, he talks about the renewal of their mind. And this is quite a common verse that we, we lean upon and we go to when we talk about the mindset and what God wants us to do, which is all very well and good, renewing of the mind. Thank you, Lord. But how do we actually do that, right? Like that's, you know, it's a, it's a great step, but we need to sometimes know practically how do we put this into place? How do we renew our mind? And so one thing, um, and even how many times do we need to renew it, right? And so what I want to look at is I'm going to be doing a big deep dive into Song of Songs. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn with me, I will be reading from the Passion Translation just because um, I I love this version when it comes to Song of Songs. For me, it really pulls it um, a lot more apart. So let's begin. right. Song of Songs 1 verse 2 to 4. This is the Shalomite bride speaking. And she says, Let him smother me with kisses, his spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over poured out. For your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the bride's to be adore you. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber. So here we can see that the Shilamite bride is having this beautiful encounter with the king, with the bridegroom king. And in this place, it's this life-giving encounter where where she's saying, you know, pour upon me your kisses, caress me with your kisses, your spirit kiss divine. And what she is talking about is she's talking about the spirit kiss that Adam received from 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 God when he was breathed from dust into life. And it is that place where dust and deity met when the maker himself kissed the spirit wind into Adam. So she was breathing in, the revelation of God's love she was within his presence she was within that kiss place that that face to face that nose to nose mouth to mouth this place of sweetness where she could feel the tangible love and have revelation of his great love towards her where God spoke identity um, into us into 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 Adam into us into the Shalomite bride and he breathed his love and care into her And so, what happened next after that beautiful expression that she received? We're going to jump to verse five. We're going to be doing a lot of jumping around here, so bear with. She says, Jerusalem maidens, in this twilight darkness, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. And so, in that place in the dark, In the night times, when we are low, when we are struggling, you know, when we are doubting, when things seem really difficult, when things seem really hard, when things seem to be going wrong, in that time when your thoughts are spiraling out of control, they're in your head, and particularly actually when it says in the dark, because in the darkness, in nighttime, when we lay our heads down to sleep, a lot of the time that is where our thoughts seem to spiral and spiral and spiral, because in the daytime, we can distract ourselves, we can do things, but at nighttime, we can't do that because we're focusing on getting to sleep. And so in this place of the dark, what happens here when the, in the actual dark, but in the darkness of, of her heart and then the lowness in her life, it says, she says, I know I am so unworthy. So in this place, she begins to doubt the love that she has received from the bridegroom king. She begins to doubt the expression that he had towards her and the encounter and experience of the love that he had towards her. She begins to doubt her worthiness and the shadows of her experience of life that she has had up until that point begin to take hold. They begin to taunt her and they begin to haunt her and speak into her mindset and begin to sow these seeds that that say, no, he didn't say that. No, he, he, he's, he's not calling you to, to be loved and to be in this relationship of receiving that love from him and that caress and that spirit kiss from him. You're not worthy of it. So she begins to doubt the reality that she had with her beloved. So where did this come from? Where did all this doubt come from? So we're going to skip to eight, uh, chapter 8 verse 9. It says, my brother said to me when I was young, our sister is so immature. What will we do to guard her for her wedding day? And also in verse, in chapter one, verse six, it says, my angry brothers quarreled with me. So here we can see that the relationships that she had with her family were really detrimental to her. They were were significant relationships that she had. We all have significant relationships that shape us and mold us. And a lot of the time, this is with our core family units, particularly when we're young. So with our our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, our brothers, our sisters, aunties, uncles, that, um, that kind of immediate culture. And these experiences that she had of her family were negative. They were speaking negativity over her. You're so immature. Like you can't make right decisions. You're. If you make wrong decisions, you're going to get yourself in trouble. They kept speaking this negativity over her. But also, she says, my angry brothers quarreled with me. They were arguing all the time. And so this place of this relationship was not a healthy one that she was experiencing, but that there was this constant torment and taunting within it the experiences that she had was probably not a one-time thing, but it was probably one that happened over and over and over again. Because as time goes on and we're in these relational patterns of behaviours, um, you know, unless something happens, they don't change. And so it's this consistent message that she is receiving again and again and again. And so she's, she's just built up this belief system about herself she also further goes on to say, please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. So this would suggest that she is feeling that the people around her are scornful towards her. They're shaming her. They're causing her humiliation, embarrassment. They're speaking down to her. They're causing her to doubt her identity, the, the parts of her heart, her goodness, her character. And she's she's saying, please don't scorn me because of my dark and sinful Sinful ways. The, the ways that she has chosen, the things that she has done, the, the choices that she has made. They're reminding her of her downfall. So she's surrounding herself with people who are constantly cutting her down and reminding her of her bad choices and the bad things that she has done. So these are places, relationships and experiences that have shaped her, shaped her feeling towards her, but also shaped the way that she actually receives love. And in this, we see that she actually cannot receive love at this point in time. She received it for a fleeting moment. And then as soon as something came, whoosh, it went. And so we can see here that God is actually wanting to address this kind of stuff and these situation experiences, these thought patterns, which are detrimental to us. Why? Because it's detrimental to identities as sons and daughters and beloved. It's detrimental to our positions and it's detrimental to uh, our our identity as the bride of Christ. And so how do I know that God is on this? Why? Because the bridegroom steps in, doesn't he? He steps in and he speaks up. So here is where we begin to see her radical transformation through the the book of Song of Songs. So if you come back to Song of Songs chapter one, verse five and six, we're gonna be be going through. Mm, Maybe seven as well. So, She's in this place of, of, of self-hate and condemnation. But we see by the end of the book, she actually refers to herself as a tower of passion and contentment for her beloved, uh, a firm wall of protection for others, um, guarding them from harm. So she actually becomes to understand who she is, and she knows her worth, and she knows her position as God, and to protect others as well, and to draw others into this relationship with God. So how does she get there? How does it happen? It says, again, she says, Jerusalem maidens in this twilight darkness, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. She's fixed upon her flaws. She's fixed upon her sin. And the bridegroom king steps in and he says, yet you are so lovely. I'm just gonna say that again. Yet you are so lovely. The bridegroom king does not dismiss her thoughts, her feelings... But he waits patiently for her to share her heart about herself. To share her thoughts about her nature, her character, and what she truly believes about herself. He patiently lets her get it off of her chest. He doesn't interrupt her and he allows her to confess her sins and to to allow her space to show how she feels. So then what does he do? He says... Yet you are so lovely. He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't give her false platitudes. He says, yet despite all of this, despite your sinful ways, despite your darkness, despite the things that you have done, I still call you lovely. I still think you're lovely, and I still see the good within you. This is how I see you, and this is what I call you. He understands that her behavior is simply that. It is her behavior and not her identity. But does she listen to him? No. She then goes on to say, I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. She goes back into this place of self-condemnation. She's again going, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. I am dark and I am dry. There is nothing within me that is giving life or that is fruitful. And she goes back to this and she confesses, she confesses her sins and how she is. And then she just moves on. She just, she brushes aside what he has said. And what does he do? He repeats himself. Yet you are so lovely. Like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. He repeats himself because she clearly has not heard what he said. And we're like that. Sometimes we don't hear what he has to say or we don't even take it in. And so God needs to repeat what he has said to confirm what he believes. Yet, I call you lovely. And then he begins to expand upon that. He doesn't just say that, but he begins to expand what he feels about her. And in this place, she begins to listen and let it sink in. She continues to talk about her self-worth and about how she views herself and that she doesn't think a lot of herself. But then, you know, because she says, I've not tended to my vineyard, I've not done this, I've not done that. But then as she begins to talk a little bit more, what she begins to do is she begins to remember what it is that he first breathed into her and that first encounter that she had with him, that place where he was breathing identity into her, breathing love and revelation of that and holding her close. And she says, It is you I long for with no veil between us. This constant reminding from the bridegroom king begins to slowly seep into her heart. This constant declaration of love begins to slowly transform her mindset about herself. And she begins to take on the things that he is saying, the things that he believes about her. And she allows this to filter into her head and then into the longings of her heart and allows it to stir herself to the truth about what he wants for her and that relationship that he wants with her. And so the good news is within it, guys, is that you don't have to do it alone, right? Song of Songs 215, you must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. You will catch them and remove them for me. We will do it together. Great news. You do not have to do this alone. You do not have to transform your mind alone. You do not have to renew it. You do not have to do it by yourself in any point of the way. And this is because if if you do, it's independence. It's you trying to do it in your own strength and that does not work. Try as you might, it will not work. You can It may last a moment, but it will not last a lifetime because it has to be done with him. And the offer is there in what he says. We will do it together. These pesky thoughts that nip away at you, that drag you down, that try and beat you up, that try and make you stay in that same place that you've always been and stop you from moving on and and delving into greater uh, relationship and identity and destiny with God. It's like God is saying, hi, hi, buddy. It's saying, God is saying, together, we will nip that and we will get rid of these pesky little foxes that have time and time again tried to nip at your heels. Oh, amen. Thank you, God. So do not worry. Do not try and do it in your own strength, but come together with him. With him, you will be successful. That is what this shows us. And in Songs of Solomon um, 4 verse 6, The Shulamite bride says, I've made up my mind until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. In spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountaintop of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. And yes, I will be your bride. She has made a choice here, guys. She has said, despite the darkness, despite the thoughts, despite the foxes, despite all of this, I'm going to make a choice for my life. I'm going to make a choice for, for my relationship with you. And I'm going to enter into this. And I'm going to go up that mountain as you have asked me to side by side with you, God. And I am going to come up here and I'm going to be your bride. I am going to be your beloved. I'm going to shed off the old. I'm going to shed off the old man. I'm going to shed off the old ways of thinking. And I am going to come and be with you and be your beloved because that is the identity that you have given me. That is what you have spoken into me. So. She says, I will not stay in the shadows. The shadows are there, but in spite of them, I'm going to go up. I'm going to walk up and I'm going to keep on going and being with you. I'm going to be your bride. And so the choice is yours, guys. As you are journeying, getting rid of these stinking thinking, these thoughts that are unhelpful, ungodly, and the ones that take you down and try and nip you out and trying to tell you what you aren't, trying to tell you what you can't do, the choice is yours to say, do you know what? No. In spite of this, I know what my God is saying about me. My beloved is saying about me. And I am going to go higher and higher and higher. And I'm going to become the bride that he wants me to be. Through all these things, these ways of walking in intimacy, it has enabled her to bloom and grow so that she can become all that she was created to be. And she can live in that place of receiving that spirit kiss divine. That it says when she comes out of the desert, she is clinging onto her beloved. When she comes out of that desert, that dry, dusty place, that place that is barren, that place that is, that is void of life and water. When she comes out, out of that place. She is leaning on her beloved. They are clinging to each other fiercely and she is renewed. Do you know the people don't even recognize her when she comes out of the desert because she is so transformed by the power and the presence of her beloved and by what he is calling her and the love that he is speaking into her. Her inner vineyard has been tended to by the intimacy of this place, of doing it together and sharing that experience and that place of the desert and that place of the mountain together. She says in chapter 412, in fact, it's the bridegroom king. He says, my darling bride, my private paradise your inward life is now sprouting bringing forth fruit her inner place her mind her heart her soul the, the places within her are not separate from him anymore they are his private paradise she is his in all of her being in all of her entirety she is his so she is completely renewed in him and into his ways The secret places are no longer just hers, but they are shared with him. There is unrestricted access, connection, rest, joy, and life in that place. And it is in this place that has given her this radical, radiant transformation. And so right now, we're going to be doing some ministering into that. Yeah, good timing. Look at that for timing. Smashed it. (laughs) We are going to be going into a time of ministry. Praveen, yeah, thank you, honey. And what I felt the Lord say was that this is going to be a time where we are literally going to be laying those fears, those unhelpful thoughts, those ungodly thoughts At the cross, we are going to go through the process that the Shulamite bride went through right now. And we're going to come. I'm going to encourage you to come to the front. We're going to create some space. Hopefully we can get rid of this first row. And we're going to have a time where you can literally come to the front. Lay down your fears. Lay down those thoughts. Confess it. Confess the, the unhelpful things that have been plaguing your mind, plaguing your heart. And in that place, as you lay them at the cross, laying down the relationships, the experiences that have brought you to the place of, of having these unhelpful thoughts and unhelpful feelings. Lay them down. Lay the people down. Lay the experiences down at the cross. And then in that place, I want you to just find some space, whether it's at the front or on your chair, wherever. And you're just going to receive. Yet. You're going to hear the yet of God. Yet in spite of those things, yet in spite of those experiences, yet in spite of the things that you have done, yet in spite of those thoughts that you have thought and those things that you have felt, yet you are so lovely. And I want you to stay in that place until you have heard what he says about you until you have heard his heart for you until you have felt that spirit kiss divine come over you and the breath of God where dust meets deity and you feel the love of God upon you So when you're ready, just come. ministry team if you could if you want to just make yourselves around just praying for people at the front or in their seats if you feel a hand upon you it's just one of the ministry team just praying with you praying over you at the foot of the cross. This is where healing begins. This is where we're renewed, where we are strengthened, where life comes. It is only... It is only by his grace by his goodness that we can be free free from the shame free from the things that have hindered us where we can lay it down and no longer be affected or restricted Where self-condemnation comes off of us. Where our hearts become tended to. Where they become alive in Him. It is by His tender loving care that your inner vineyard, your secret place the depth within you can bloom and grow where it can produce fruit where it can look glorious to him and so Lord I ask that you would come and blow on through this place right now come and blow your breath upon every person here and that you would come with your spirit kiss divine and tend to that vineyard in people's hearts where you would come and breathe your life. as the wind of God as the wind of the Spirit comes through let it blow through that cavern removing every stain, every cobweb every place that has been hollow I believe in this place even places that have been hollow, that have been numb, that have been void where there are places that are void let the Spirit wind come blow through and reside there with the power and the grace and the presence of God
1: You know, as Ashley's been speaking about being in bloom, I'm just reminded of there was a study done where two plants were seed was sown. One plant every day, from the moment the seed was sown, received positive affirmation, blessing it to grow, blessing it to do well. Same conditions, same watering, just different language. The second plant only received negative words cursing, destruction. And, and it's remarkable to see that, how even nature responds to these things, because one plant, the one receiving positive affirmation, bloomed and grew full and grew strong. The one that had all this negativity around it, struggled to grow. It managed it, but it was withered, it was limited, it didn't bear through. You know, we've got this beautiful picture of this, this bride who's in bloom. Last week I said about the river of God and how the trees on the banks bear fruit in every season. We're meant to be in bloom, church. But some of you right now, you're, you're in a place where actually that the negative constructs of humanity, the words spoken over you that have come against you, the judgment, control, all that stuff that's come over you has caused that potential for being in bloom to be restricted to be pulled down a little, to be, to be harder than it should have been. You know, there's, there's times when people have criticized you, have spoken down over you, who have spoken negatively over you. There's people who've made you feel stupid. In fact, for some of you, I feel like there's people in the room where you've even, even from Christian leaders, they've used scripture, they've used knowledge to make you feel like you don't know enough, you're not good enough, you don't think well enough. They've used judgment as a mechanism to restrict you, not, not love as a culture to grow you. And we just take authority over that right now. So why, if that's you, why don't you, just, why don't you just renew your mind on this truth? That his thoughts towards you outnumber the grains of sand, as it says in Psalms that in Zephaniah, it says he sings songs of love over you. This says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. That he looks upon you and says, my daughter, my son, I love you. I'm proud of you. I see the potential that I've placed in, in you. And like it says in Colossians, that Christ in you, the hope of glory I believe I will be glorified through you. And so in the name of Jesus right now, we take authority over every negative word spoken, every act of control and manipulation, every judgment, everything that has tried to come against you and restrict your growth. And we command it to stop right now in Jesus' mighty name. We command the effects of it to be removed in the name of Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you renew what has been stolen? Would you not only just remove the effects of it now, but would you go back? in the past and would you remove the effects there would you bring people in this church into bloom in the mighty name of Jesus we bless you to be in harvest in all seasons to see fruit where you've never seen it before I bless you to be surprised by the fruit in your life to be surprised by the goodness of God and in the name of Jesus we just decree and declare that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living as a church in Jesus mighty name amen